I'll tell you what, when the Sojourner series ends, I'm gonna miss that song. It kind of fires me up when I come out. Very, very epic. Hey, Sojourners, passing through. And Sojourners are known for being missional. They represent Christ, so their testimony matters. Who care what people say and think about? We don't care what people say and think about us. We care and think about what people say and think about Christ when they look at us. That's the mission. Oh, they're transitional. They know they're citizens of heaven. They're invested in what goes on here, but it's not the end game. They know they're headed to glory. Oh, and they are definitely intentional. They're sojourners on earth, and they know they're passing through. If you've joined us with our Sojourner series, you've noticed we've been passing through scars, passing through attacks, passing through conflict. Week five, we were passing through ashes, passing through envy, and this week, we'll be passing through evil. It's an interesting one to pass through. What do we mean by that? You know, working at camps throughout the younger years of my life in my, in my younger 20s, I had a chance to work at a bunch of camps, and, and I remember specifically the fun it was sharing scary stories at night, okay? It, it was just a joy, to, for me especially. And I'm a heller, so we, we are storytellers by nature. If you've ever heard my dad tell a story, you know, you'll be captivated the entire story and wondering where this is gonna go. And sometimes it doesn't go anywhere, but it's a great story, okay? And, and, and we were all telling stories, but later that night, the directors got together, and um, one of our directors said, I, I need to talk to you, and, and this is what you would probably call a scary story, but I want to alert us to something I'd like us to spend more time praying about. We were all eyes and ears, we were listening, he seemed very intent. He said, now out here in the Eastern Hemisphere, you don't see it quite as much here, but I'm from California area, he told us and reminded us. And he said, we see some of this go on more at the camps I was involved at there. And so I wanna share this with you all so that we can be praying about this and be protecting our camp from the evil one. And we let him continue. He said, I was walking towards our girls' cabins. The boys' cabins were on the left side. I was walking towards the girls' cabins. And right behind the cabins, there was this hill and I noticed as I was walking, all these shadowy creatures coming, pouring down the hill. I'm like, oh my word, the boys have gotten out of their cabin and they're gonna go terrorize and bang on the cabin doors of the girls. And so he picked up his pace and started to walk quicker as he saw these shadows. But, but something happened this time that he said never happened before. As the shadows went down towards the cabin, immediately screaming, terrifying screaming began to occur within the cabin. He picked up his pace only to see a counselor pop out and say, we need somebody in here. He called another director and said, come, we got a disturbance in one of the girls' cabins. And as he got to the door, um, all the teenagers in there looked like scared out of their minds. They began to realize that one of the girls was convulsing and something wasn't correct with one of the girls. And so they ushered the other teenagers out, get out of the cabin, guys, go on. We're gonna deal with this, we're gonna deal with this. And they came up to this girl as the teenagers went to the other cabin, and more directors came into the room, and they began to realize that something kind of supernatural was happening to this young lady. I don't want to go into great detail, because I know I have very different ages in this auditorium this morning, so parents, I just want to be cautious being a dad myself of, at times of younger children. But some very dark things came out of the girl's mouth, and her eyes were changing in their appearances, and they were noticing things that were clearly not of this world that were happening in this young lady's life. 
prayer and petitioning began for this young lady, the other cabin was growing more and more fearful, and you know word spreads quickly in a teenager camp, and this cabin began praying for this young lady who they didn't know that well, but was clearly going through something. As they were holding hands, he said, as they were holding hands in the other cabin, they began to sing. All together, our God is an awesome God, he reigns from heaven above. You know the song? With wisdom, power, and love, right? Our God is an awesome God. He said that young lady spoke in a different voice and said, tell them to shut up. He said, Chris, I have never, he said to the group, excuse me, not just me, but I took it that way because I was like this. I have never, I have never been more aware of the demonic realm than that night in that camp. And we went into that cabin and we opened that door and the directors of us, after this girl, we got her down, we got her to get to a peaceful state. We found out later her family had been involved in incredibly occultic practices. There was all sorts of demonic activity throughout the generations. But God did a great work on that young lady, and a miracle happened that week. Without going into great detail, God won the victory. But they went into that cabin, and they claimed that territory. They reclaimed it for Christ because they knew that evil had been in that place. They claimed the name of Jesus Christ over it that has the power over any evil we may encounter. He told all of us directors, he said, guys, the devil's always looking for the weakest link in this group. He wants to attack, and anybody who leaves a little bit of room for him through lust, through, through worry and fear, bitterness, oh, and definitely unforgiveness, you give him like a foothold, guys. It's like he gets his foot in the door. It's like that scary movie where they run to the elevator, like, come on, close, close, and they're about to close it, and then boom, somebody gets in. Don't Give the devil a foothold, he said. Now, he was quoting scripture. That's from Ephesians. Don't give the devil a foothold. Don't let him even get a toehold because we open the door just a little bit through sin. He wants him and he blows him. And he can make lives miserable. And so we gotta lock the doors. We gotta claim territory. We gotta take this more serious because trust me, folks, the Bible's very clear that we battle against supernatural forces. Now, some of you young kids, some of the boys in here, girls in here, you might, you might play, play games where you have territories, okay? And you gotta block in those territories. And you got weaker spots and you have stronger spots. And you gotta call mom and dad and say, mom and dad, I need money to strengthen my fortress. <laughs> I have put thousands into my son's fortress. No, no, no. But, but, but. We got, I got to strengthen it. We got to block out. We got to keep the enemy from what? Coming in and claiming territory. We got to do the same as believers. How do we let him in sometimes? Through the occult, through unforgiveness in our life, pornography. There's so many aspects where we can give him a little spot and he wants more. He always wants more and he is obvious. He works through three doors, three doors. First John tells me this, all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the father, but from the world, the lust of the flesh. I want this, sexual sin. I want my body to be gratified. I want my, I mean, dieting sins, all sorts of different things. Lust of the eyes, I want 
like more, lack of contentment, give me more materialism, busyness, getting out of control. Oh, the pride of life. I want to be the best. I want life to be about me and living for self. And he works through those and we got to shut them. We got to lock them up. I went home or back to my cabin and you're all cool listening to stories like that in a group. You get by yourself and you're looking around all the time. It's nerve wracking, right? got to close those doors. Believers, do you understand that God has kind of given us that kind of teaching? I want you watching. I want you more careful. You have a very real enemy, especially in places that have given over territory to the evil one. There is no better place to find a place that was given over more territory than Ephesus. Oh, yes. The city of Ephesus was full of occultic practices and demonic activity. It became a hotbed for the evil one. And it's where our sojourners end up today. The story begins with Apollos. Oh, you've heard of Apollos, most likely. A Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, he sojourned into Ephesus. You like the maps, gives you a good idea of where we're at. We're in Ephesus here. And being fervent in the spirit, this guy, Apollos, oh, he spoke and taught accurately the things concerning Jesus. I mean, he was accurate with what he knew about scripture. But it says here he only knew, he only knew the baptism of John. What is that? He only knew the baptism of John. We'll talk about it. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue. But, but when Priscilla and Aquila... All our friends are back. They heard him. They took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. I mean, here's this dynamic preacher. Why does Priscilla and Aquila need to take him aside? Hey, come here. I want to tell you a little bit more. And I love that they took him aside versus approaching him publicly. It should never be our goal to embarrass a communicator. Pull him aside and talk to him and say, hey, we want to explain something more accurately. You got the truth, but there's more than what you're sharing. There's more going on, and Paul has told us about it. And so they tell Apollos about Jesus, not just the baptism of John, but in Jesus, we now baptized. Oh, and when Paulus heard all this and he grew in his faith, he said, I want to go back. I want to go back over into Macedonia. I want to go to Corinth. I got his line. It's a yellow line. And when he wished to cross to Achaia, the brothers encouraged him. And they wrote to the disciples, hey, Apollos is coming over. Welcome him in. Oh, and when he got there, he arrived and he greatly, Scripture says, helped those through grace believed. For he powerfully refuted the Jews in public, showing by the Scriptures Christ was the Jesus. Was Jesus, excuse me. He went from teaching John's baptism, which was a baptism of repentance, to now preaching Jesus Christ, the Messiah. And not only that, that baptism is found in Jesus. Priscilla and Aquila, when they greet him, they, they, Scripture says they took him aside and explained to him the way of God. It's an idea of almost like progressive revelation, a theologian would say, where Apollos just hadn't heard of all the things that Jesus was doing. And so when Priscilla and Aquila told him the Messiah has come, it's been 20 years since then, and we now, John the Baptist was a forerunner telling us about Jesus. Jesus is here, and we baptize in Jesus' name, and oh, the Spirit. Spirit got a hold of Apollos and off he went. Have you ever done something and it was taking you forever, taking you forever, and then you found a tool that helped you do it 10 times faster? Am I speaking to anybody? 
whenever we have like, a, we're gonna have company or something like that, my, my wife will often say, hey, we, we need to clean out the garage. How many of you need to clean out the garage? It's a heat wave this week, give yourself some grace. But we're like, we gotta clean out the garage. And I'm in there sweeping the garage and my wife says, oh no, you gotta use this. And, 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 and I, I hadn't thought of this, this was a couple years ago when we got our house, I hadn't thought of this, but, but she got me a, a blower. Oh, I brought it. Some of you all know I brought it. Here she is. I'll tell you what, this thing changed my life. I don't ever sweep. I don't even clean our bedroom anymore. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I love this. I go out in the back porch, the, all the things fall on it after a rainstorm. Boom, I'm just blowing off. I move water puddles. I just, I just love this thing. I don't need it just for leaves. I mean, it's amazing. You, you know, your kids have a sleepover in the basement. They don't clean it up. You just come down there and just blow it all over them. It's great. I mean, you can have fun with the dog. No, I don't have fun. That's not right. Don't talk about that. But, but a blower, once you've done this, you don't sweep the garage anymore. You just blow it around. You don't care what happens. You'll clean up the mess. It's so much fun. It's like there's so much power to this compared to my broom. I don't want to go back to it. And it was as if Paul said, you understand, Priscilla and Quilla, Apollos, uh, we're, you're sweeping correctly, but there's, <laughs> there's the Holy Spirit. Oh, the Holy Spirit. And do you know how many few believers, do you know how few believers understand how to activate the Holy Spirit? Forgive me, Holy Spirit, for using you as an illustration of a blower. But I want you to hear this today. Because my goal by the end of the sermon is not that you sweep out the devil from your life. You blow him out in the name of Jesus Christ through the power of of the Holy Spirit. You blow him out of your life. And Paul and Priscilla and Aquila were given Apollos the tools and, and he heads over to Corinth and greatly and powerfully and we come back into Corinth and Paul arrives. And it's the beginning of the third missionary journey. Paul enters into the city of Ephesus and scripture says that while it happened while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus. Oh, there he found some disciples. And he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Oh, man. It's as if Paul sensed something was off with these guys. And so he continues. And he said, into what then were you baptized? What were you immersed into them? What did you symbol to say, I'm associated with this? And they said, into John's baptism. And Paul said, okay, John he baptized with this baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who was to come. He was a forerunner after him. That is Jesus. But now you're to be baptized in the name of Jesus, symbolizing your death, burial, resurrection, and association with Jesus. We do this for Jesus. He's come. And on hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul then laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. And there were about 12 of them in all. Now remember, if you've just joined us in the Acts series, we've done some extensive work on the fact that the book of Acts is a transitional book. It's not the best to go into Acts and build a theology of practice off of it. We have over 10 verses in scripture that says the Holy Spirit comes the moment the child of God asks Jesus to come into their heart. We have scripture filled with that, but in Acts, it's a transition period where God was using the apostles to kind of a 
affirm that faith has occurred and the Holy Spirit would come on at the laying of hands. And it happened differently at different times with Philip, with Paul, with Peter. And so to build a theology of that is very unsafe for it was always happening in a different way. Why? Because God's point was, I want to show that the Holy Spirit has come into Ephesus. And I believe specifically to warn the evil spirits that the Holy Ghost has come to town. And when the Holy Ghost comes to town, things get interesting. No, we've not even heard there is a Holy Spirit. I hope that's not true of you. The Holy Spirit is such a powerhouse for you. Believer, learn how to activate the Spirit by understanding how the Spirit works. You understand there's over nine characteristics or nine wonderful power, power packs the Holy Spirit provides in your life. Don't go through life not activating him. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit with sin, but hear him. I mean, look at all the things the Holy Spirit can do. I'm going to put up nine specifically. I'll start with just what he does. Look, this, I call this the roles of the Holy Spirit. He regenerates us. Titus says he washes our sin away. He resides in us. Do you not know you're God's temple and God's spirit dwells in you? And he renews us. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. He resides in you. You can't say as a child of God, I feel alone. He's with you. It's kind of like a slap in the face to him. He, he says, I regenerate you. I make you eternal being. And he renews us. He can take what's broken down and renew it. Have you ever asked the Holy Spirit to renew your mind? Oh, the Holy Spirit doesn't use that. He, he does these three things. I call them the work of the Holy Spirit. He secures us. We're sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit, who is our guarantee of our inheritance until we take possession of it. We teach here, you can't lose your salvation. Why? Because it's a slap in the face to the Holy Spirit, who is the sealer of our salvation. He's the guarantor. Are you saying he can't do his job? If we truly come to know Christ our Savior, he secures us. He advocates for us. Romans tells us he intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Holy Spirit, pray for me today. He comforts us. Romans 15 says, may the God of all hope fill you with power and joy of the Holy Spirit. He gives us hope and he fills us with joy. But also the Holy Spirit, he does these three things too. He ministers to us. He empowers us with the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace. First Corinthians tells me he gifts me. You, there are many different gifts, but the same spirit is the source of them. Oh, and he reveals these are the things of God that he's revealed to us by his Holy Spirit. He helps us understand scripture. He's your power source. He wants to go through life and he wants to lead you and guide you and teach you. And instead of asking him to do his work, we pray things and I'm not beating up on us, but we pray things like God help me to have a good day. When there's an enemy who's trying, oh, you left a room. He's trying to get in. He's trying to wreak havoc, not only in our lives, but our family. And we got to shut the door with his power. And Paul's saying, there's this Holy Spirit and you got to know him. Oh, and he entered the synagogue, Paul did. And for three months, he spoke boldly, reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. Oh, but when some of them became stubborn and continued in belief, speaking evil of the way, that's what they called it. Christianity, its early phrase was called the way. Why? Because people who followed Jesus were known to be following the one who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So they called it the way. He withdrew from them. He took his disciples with him, reasoning daily in the hall of Tyrenius. It's almost as if Paul just always found a way to teach, and he went to the hall. 
But here's where it starts really stirring up in Ephesus. It continued for two years so that all the residents of Asia heard the word of God, heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. So the word of God's really getting out around Asia and they planted churches all throughout this ministry. So this verse right here began the church of Smyrna, Pergamum, Laodicea. All these churches started building up around that area. God was doing this huge work and God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul so that even the handkerchiefs or aprons that had touched his skin were carried away to the sick. And their diseases left them and the evil spirits came out of them. Evil spirits were in people? Oh yeah, and then some of the itinerant Jew, Jewish exorcists undertook to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits saying, I adjure you by the Jesus whom Paul proclaims. What's going on here? It seems that exorcism was very popular in Ephesus because people wanted to have this notoriety that they had the ability to cast out demons. And even people who were unbelievers were trying to do these things. And look what happens. The demonic spirit speaks back to them. I adjure you to come out in the name of this Jesus that Paul proclaims. Notice they didn't say the name we proclaim. They say Paul's been teaching this. And the Spirit speaks. This is somewhat terrifying. Jesus I know. And Paul I recognize. But who are you? Oh, I know about Jesus and Paul I recognize. Boy, there's a passage that makes you realize that yes, 100% the enemy puts targets on certain people. Oh, we know Paul. We recognize Paul. We're wondering who you are. I'll tell you what. It was a startling day when I had somebody share with me who had come out of some demonic activity, even in our area. I said, Chris, I saw your name on a list. I saw your name on a list of people who were praying demonic things. In fact, they had the pastor's from a couple church areas. Isn't it good to know that he who is in me is greater than he who is in the world? And isn't it to know the name of Jesus Christ can be proclaimed over any evil? Otherwise, we'd have reason to be scared. But we have no reason to be scared, for that's how demons work. They want to scare. They want to make people afraid. And if they can get you fearful, they got you in their trap. Oh, but the God that has been put in us, the Holy Spirit carries us navigates us through these things. Jesus, I know. Paul, I recognize. Who are you? And the man who was in the evil spirit leaped on them, mastered all of them, overpowered them, so they fled out of the house naked and wounded. And this became known to all the residents of Ephesus, both Jews and Greeks, and fear fell upon them. What? The evil spirit, did you hear? He leaped on them and he mastered them and he, all of them felt overpowered and they left feeling naked and wounded. Excuse me, they didn't feel that. They were that. What's going on here? I mean, have you ever in your life felt like, man, I just kind of feel like I'm under attack? That same temptation keeps coming to your head? That same difficulty? Or maybe you think it's in your house somewhere and just weird stuff's going on. There's a lot of sometimes symptoms. You can't, you can't give all this stuff credit, okay? You really can't. Don't be a, there's a demon behind every door. But you know, scripture shows you some of the things that are going on where there's a demonic activity. One is just physical illness. There is a spirit of infirmity, scripture says. Now, it's not saying that every time you're sick, you have some kind of demonic influence, but there's a possibility 
Scripture talks about mental impairments. Um, this man was struggling with epilepsy, ep- epilepsy in Mark 9 and convulsions because the demonic beings were trying to destroy him. There's sexual impurity of all kinds. Leviticus 18 says they're unclean spirits. We, we've counseled people who have night terrors. Their kids are having night terrors. We have, we've talked to people that um, they sleep at night and they have these horrific sexual dreams, just disturbing stuff where they wake up feeling dirty and guilty. Like, did that happen? And, and there's the sexual impurity of demons. If we've allowed a foothold through images or things we've watched, they want in. They want in on your life. And, and how about resistance? Resistance to the truth. First John 4 tells us they, they're false prophets. They totally resist the truth. If there's an anger, if you're seeing symptoms of anger towards the things of truth, you gotta, they, they, these are things that we see. Profuse lying. They're deceiving spirits. Okay, they lie. They, they want to lie to people. There's harsh accusations. Jesus be accursed, they shouted in 1 Corinthians 12. There's insane strength. Mark 5, 4, but this man who was demonized tore the chains apart and broke out of it. Just the strength of multiple men. Um, paranormal activity. Uh, they, they attach themselves sometimes to hosts. Uh, we have stories of missionaries coming back from Papua New Guinea who didn't realize they had cultic idols they were putting in their houses and things were happening in their house. I don't want to go into detail, but things were happening. They got rid of that. They got it out. The demonic beings seemed to want hosts say, Jesus, send us into the pigs. And they went to the pigs and ran off the edge. I mean, there's evil spirits around us. We're not to be scared, but we are to be alert. And through all of this happening now at Ephesus, the name of Jesus yet was extolled, which means celebrated, exalted, also, many of those who were now believers came confessing and divulging their practices. What? Oh, yeah. They're bringing their stuff. A number of those who had preached, or excuse me, practiced magic arts, they brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all. And they counted the value of them and found it to be 50,000 pieces of silver. That would be multiple millions of dollars of all of this sorcery and magic arts and demonically charged things. And so Luke says, the word of the Lord continued to increase and prevail mightily. What were they doing? They were making sure the devil didn't have a foothold anymore in their life. They're going home going, all right, I got some of this stuff. And if you brought any of your magic arts out into public, it was said that they would lose their power. So for these people in Ephesus, they're gathering, they're gathering, oh, this, oh man, that's dedicated. They're bringing it into the city and they're going, burn this, get this out of my life. Get this out of my life. I know I need to delete that song out of my iTunes. I know I do. I just keep letting that garbage into my ears. I know I do. I want you to picture this young person. Oh, we got ourselves an open door. And all of a sudden we see life spiral because we've given him a foothold. And scriptures, don't let him in. Don't let him sneak his toe in there. Don't let him into your life. Oh, and they're just getting rid of stuff. They're deleting stuff. We got to stop watching that show. We know we, that, that show, oh. We know stuff is happening in that place. We know it. I know, I know of a church. I had a chance to work with a pastor in a church. He said, we had interns every summer. And this one office, it was unbelievable. Each one of those interns would be struggling with something on the internet. 
It got to the point where we took the pastors in. We walked into that room, that office. We cleared the interns out. Nobody's doing this. We went in there. We got together and we claimed the name of Jesus Christ in that room. And we shut the door and we said, Jesus, Holy Spirit, put a guard on that door. He said, we haven't problems since. The greatest advice I've gotten from a counselor who works with a lot of demonic activity, something I don't want to sign up for. So the best thing you can do is threefold. If you know there might be anything you've dabbled with, ah, it's just silliness. If there's anything you've dabbled with, confess it, say it out loud. Lord, you know I've been dabbling with this evil. Second, renounce it. I renounce this. I'm not gonna do this anymore. In the name of Jesus Christ, I renounce this activity. Forgive me for this. And then third, reclaim that territory. I pray in the name of Jesus Christ that you now have this territory. Say it out loud. Make sure nobody's around you. You'll look really weird. But say it out loud. You think, you think Pastor Chris hasn't walked around his entire house, dads, praying over that home to protect my family? You think I don't know I'm a target? I beg the Lord. I beg the Lord, protect my family from the calling you've given me. Parents, I give you an image here just to get your attention. He's walking by every door. Scripture says, be sober-minded and watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. He loves when your family's too busy for the things of God. Loves it. Oh, loves it. He loves when we're caught up in things. He loves when we're making more time for everything else than God because we're giving him an opportunity in. So what do we do? What do we do? I say we need evil armor. What? Evil armor. In our last five minutes, here's what I wanna do. I wanna make you aware of a passage in scripture that I've built some prayers off of. These are my prayers. Um, I'm gonna just give you a taste of my devotional life here a little bit. I've worked on it just for myself. I want some prayers that I can begin my days with. Again, I'm sorry if I'm, I'm speaking a little dark here, but we had a warlock that came to know Christ speak to our pastors at one point in our church history. And he said, the fact that believers don't wake up and pray the armor of God is absolute foolishness. I got my attention, and I went to the Armor of God passage. It says this, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you might be able to stand against what? The schemes of the devil, the doors he wants to get open and come into our lives. Put on the armor, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. We don't wrestle against humans. We wrestle against rulers, against authorities, against cosmic powers over the present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. People have said to me, I feel like the devil's behind a lot of this stuff. Yes, of course he is. He's the God of this world. But we've been given the truth, believers. Therefore, take it up. Put on the whole, not some of it, put on the whole armor of God that you might be able to withstand in the evil day and having done so to stand firm. And then he gives out six pieces of a Roman soldier's armor. And I've built prayers around each one of them, okay? And I would encourage you, I'm hoping to inspire you to pray a little more effectively in the morning. That's all I'm asking you to do. And I don't think the enemy wants me to preach this. So lock in. I expect distraction. Because believers, if we get on our knees and put on the armor of God, oh my word, what could happen for your church doing that? 
Oh my word, what could happen? Because we have so. Did you hear first gave every father a blower for Father's Day? I'm thinking about it. <laughs> we probably can't do that. Anyway, somebody backstage is going, oh my word, I can't believe it. Put on the belt of truth. Kids, Roman soldiers put on this huge leather belt. Roman soldiers were athletes. They put on this huge leather belt. They put all their weapons in it. It girded them up. In scripture, it says, gird up your loins. They would pull their like, little skirts up, right? And they'd start running so it wouldn't trip them. Okay, well, Roman soldiers, boom, they put their belts on. Paul leveraged that and says, put on your belt of truth. Roman soldiers, strap that in. So I made a prayer in my life for the mornings. Holy Spirit, I just use his name because I want his power. I want, I want, I'm gonna blow things out of my life. Holy Spirit, strap me into your truth and expose any lies that would make me vulnerable to the enemy's lies. Tighten my core with integrity and gird me up in truth. Any, anybody who works out understands how important your core is. Your core will dictate your back's health over your lifetime. And the core, being strong, enables an athlete to be agile and faster and quicker through his hips compared to a core that's not strong. Paul understands Roman soldiers. Just put that together, tighten that up. And you know what went inside that belt? The breastplate. Soldiers would put on the Roman soldiers would put on breastplates to protect their most vital organs, their heart, um, things that would, would break them down. And it covered them and it was fitted with loops and buckles that were attached to the belt. So if the belt came loose, the breastplate would fall off. This breastplate would protect and shield the soldier. Holy Spirit, give me your shield today that I may above all else guard my heart. Cleanse me from all unrighteousness and still in me a desire for purity in my secret heart. Young girls, what if you actually prayed every morning? Guard my heart from being susceptible to a liar trying to take advantage of me. Guard it. How do you think your life would change? Guys, how would your life change if you started your mornings going, buckle me in into your truth? He says, shoes of peace, Roman soldiers had these boots and they put steel things, they put graphs in there, Under Armour and Nike and all them. They weren't out in front, Roman soldiers were. They knew they needed like cleats so they could be agile and they could also stand firm when fighting and getting their swords and fighting and attacking. Also move agility wise and not slip and have a confidence to their footing. Holy Spirit, put your cleats on my feet today so I can walk with confidence and be agile as I need to get throughout any difficulty that might come my way. Keep my life and my testimony in step with you as I walk in the safety of your peace. It's a lot different than God help me to have a good day. God, put your cleats on so when bad stuff comes, I don't blow my testimony, but instead I remain agile. I stay flexible. I don't expect there to be no trials in my life. I'm a Christian. I expect things are gonna come, but I need to have firm footing through it, and I need to be able to move and adapt without blowing my testimony with everybody because of anxiousness. So give me confidence and your peace that passes understanding. Put the boots on in the morning. 
Oh, the shield of faith. Roman soldiers had massive shields. I don't want you to think of these little crescents. They had almost like doors. It was almost the size of a door. And they shielded themselves from fiery darts the enemies would shoot over. They would also, they had formations where they bunker down together and put the shield over all of them and stand underneath it when things were being attacked. So think of this shield as a protector from darts and fiery things. Holy Spirit, I wrote in my journal. Offer my family and I your shield of protection. Hem us in behind and before, blocking us from all doubt and bitterness and anger that might come into our home. And give us your faith. Build an enclosure and protect us. Oh, the confidence it brings to pray that in the morning as you drop off that little one and they go into school when you hear of all the terrors that can happen in hallways. The last thing the soldier would put on, he'd grab his helmet. <clears throat> Roman soldiers' last piece was to protect their heads, their minds, the command station. Holy, Holy Spirit, place on my head your helmet to absorb any blows I may take in my mind from the enemy today. Renew my mind and clear my thoughts from all confusion, condemnation, bitterness, or impurity. Oh, the enemy wants to get to this head and guilt me. You are the worst father ever. Oh, you are a mother who is such a failure in front of everyone. All you do is fail your parents. Why are you even alive? He gets in there and he wants to mess with your head. And if we leave him a gap, you are what people say and think about you. Yeah, you are. So I want everybody to like me. Just leave me a little window. I'll get my toe in there and I'll start working on you. Oh, Holy Spirit, I put, Lord, penetrate my heart with your truth in my time in your word today. Excuse me, I'm reading the wrong one. Place a helmet on me, absorb the blows I might take. Clear my thoughts. Have you been cloudy lately? Have you ever thought, I'm gonna ask the Holy Spirit to clarify this mind. Holy Spirit, clarify my mind, renew my mind. And then the last one, the last one we leave today, the sword, only offensive weapon in the whole text. Grab your sword. Roman soldiers had a two-edged sword. They pull it out. Oh, and it could pierce. And they went into strategic, strict training so they would know how to most effectively use it and protect themselves. Oh, they were so good with their swords. I put Holy Spirit. Penetrate my heart with your truth in my time in the word today. You will find if you pray that line, it'll make you go, I probably should have some time in the word today. Dead serious. You say you're a pastor and you have to do that? Yeah, Lord, penetrate my heart in your word today. Probably should read your word today. Yes, and that prayer helps me even getting out of bed and I've only been doing it for a little while. I can't say I have a lot of years on this. But humble me, prepare me, encourage me, and motivate me to live for Christ alone. May I be a true threat today to the enemy. And then scripture says, praying all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication to that end. Keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication. Finish the prayer and go, I pray for everybody, all my friends in Christ. They're gonna have a hard day too, probably. I pray for my kids, supplication. I'm praying for everybody, not just myself. This will change your prayer life. Can you imagine a church full of people praying the armor of God in the morning? Good luck, devil, you got no shot. 
So today, this week, every door you walk through, I want you to think about this illustration today. I want you to ask yourself, is there something I got to clean out of my life? It's got to go. It's time to straighten up. And may I encourage you to stand in any of that room that you might say and say, God, I confess that there's been some sin occurring in this house. I want to renounce it and I want to reclaim this place in the power of God. Heavenly Father, may we not sweep the devil out. May we blow him out with the power of the Holy Spirit. Demonic forces have no place where the Holy Spirit resides. We're told to not have a spirit of fear, but walk in great faith. Oh, the world tries to put it that the devil and Jesus are these two equal entities battling each other. But the truth of the matter is you have squashed the devil and you've defeated him. You are the victor. And I can walk in this power that you've given me with the Holy Spirit because you already won. We've already won. Forgive us when we allow this world to open up doors in our life of doubt and fear and discouragement and bitterness and anger and clamor and sexual impurity. May we blow it out in your name. So Holy Spirit, come to this place. Come to this church and do your work here. May this be a church and a town and a city that is sharing the love of Jesus Christ and living in the power of the armor of God. In Jesus' name, amen.